Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast where we discuss the subgenres of movies that exist in this world on this physical plane, as opposed to the ethereal or the metaphysical. They have, way, not, be- they have way better movies there. Yeah, yeah, actually, they do. That, that's what we can do for the opening segment. Let's talk about the problems with the film industry because we're experts and we know how to fix it. <laughs> that's why we're making movies right now, isn't it? Pow, pow, pow. Anyway, this week's subgenre is, damn, uh, they should have just stopped at the last one. There's no reason they shouldn't have done it. Why'd they do it? This week, we're reviewing 2020's Godzilla versus Kong. Thanks to this movie, we still have movies. The <laughs> pandemic couldn't quite kill off the industry. <laughs> After the review, we have our titular segment, No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. But before both of those, we have an opening segment where we discuss topics <laughs> of the day. Well, what's today's opening segment topic? I don't know. I don't know. I, I even forgot what I said just a few minutes ago the film industry so in today's opening segment we're gonna offer some ideas as to what our ideal kaiju which is what giant monster movies are called or sentai which is like the japanese word for squad i think like squadron team group or whatever that would be similar to like power rangers we have ideas as what as to what would make good movies turned into live action adaptations by uh, some American company that could hopefully make it as good as the second Godzilla movie, (laughs) King of the Monsters, but not as bad as this new one. Spoilers, I don't like the movie very much. It's not very good. Anyway, let's start with you, Charlie. Oh, I don't actually have ideas for ones. I just have ones that I haven't seen yet, but would like to. I can riff off of you guys, though. Okay, that works. Let's go, Charles. It's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you wanted to. <laughs> All right. Mine is, um, I want to see an adaptation of uh, Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot. It was a cartoon oh, that was on shit. Fox uh, fucking 12 years ago. It's an adaptation of a Frank Miller comic. Um, but it's like, it's like kind of like American Astro Boy. <laughs> Um, Rusty is this android boy who was created by this scientist working for the U.S. government to be like, uh, protect like a world protector because there are aliens that are constantly invading in this world. Um, and in the I don't know fifties and sixties or something, there was um this rope, this piloted giant piloted mech that they just called the big guy and rusty for whatever reason is designed as a child and thinks like one. And so it has idolized the big guy and, but he's like not ready. So they're like, well, we got to pair him up with the big guy since he looks up to this person as like, uh, looks up to this other robot. And so I haven't read the, I haven't read the comic but in the show, there's like a big part of that first of like the beginning of that series where like we can't let Rusty know that the big guy's like a person in a suit. <laughs> it's just it can't happen. It's basically just like the core of that would be of that adaptation would be like that dynamic of Rusty wanting to not be the only intelligent robot and looking up to someone 
another robot, something that he believes is another robot that had his same role, but earlier. And then the balancing act of, well, we need Rusty to protect us and also not like flip out because we lied to him. (laughs) But also he's not ready. So he needs to be trained and he'll only take training from another, what he thinks is another intelligent robot. And it probably wouldn't be good, but the big guy's a cool classic giant robot design in the vein of Gigantor. And I think with the right casting, Rusty could be not completely annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just have giant monsters and then slightly smaller monsters. And you do a tight 90. I mean, it'd be putting money in Frank Miller's pocket, which I don't know how I feel about that. But (laughs) I think uh, Rusty and the big guy could be a fun adaptation, if not like a stellar one. It's not going to win an Oscar, but it's going to have a cult following. Yeah, for sure. It'll be like Scott Pilgrim if done well. Yeah. Where everybody can acknowledge, yo, this is a good movie, but every studio is like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> for my for my first one, I want to do uh, Ronin Warriors. It's a super old anime where they're like, I don't even know if it's supposed to take place in this era of Japan, but like all the voice actors have these like weird California surfer voices. <laughs> like, oh no, we, my powers are not working. Ah. But like, I think in a modern context, that'd be a lot of fun. They don't have a giant robot. It's just a Sentai show yeah. where they put on cool armor and fight this dude with this Oni mask. And I thought it was like a really fun show um, because it was just like goofy. And it was like, a, it was basically a Saint Seiya ripoff, but more fun. Yeah, and I really fucked with it at the time. Either that, if we're, I'm just gonna have to like do a slash for all of these because effectively these are all the same show, right? <laughs> I think uh, doing specifically G Gundam, not any other Gundam, but G Gundam for like a giant robot fighting show would be fucking funny because like it's it's just like goofy dudes in suits dancing around in robots doing yeah. special moves on each other. It's basically like pro wrestling. Yes, pro wrestling on a city scale. Yeah, it takes place in like a post-apocalyptic world, world, or as somebody from Drag Race would say, post-apocalyptic. This is really funny. Um, and it's like, just like everywhere is a ring, and they're doing like sanctioned fights. Yeah. And then there are unsanctioned fights, but it's like a post-apocalyptic world where everything's already fucked up. So who's sanctioning the fights? And like, it's... it's yeah, who cares? Why is there a regulatory body? Exactly, exactly. Oh, man, to kind of, this wasn't one of mine, but to piggyback off of that, um, I think Zoids. Oh, shit. Would be fun, because Zoids is the same shit, where it's like, at least the the show, the first show that made it to the, that got translated, was straight, straight up the same shit, where it was like, hey, there's these, like, kind of sentient animal robots. No one knows who built them, but they exist. Um, but we also have, like, mechanics for them, and everything's already fucked, but here's, like, this game that we do. Where we just have three on three matches with these giant animal robots. And some people can talk to special ones. And for some reason, we allow people to cheat. Like, we know it's widely recognized that these people are cheaters, but we allow them to keep playing. Yeah, because it's fun to watch, which is how real sports should work. (laughs) Yeah, let everybody do steroids. Fuck it. Let's Let's just push to the actual peak of human ability. That should include things that human brains made. Yep. If we invented it, it counts as natural. (laughs) We didn't get it from space. A person in a lab 
<laughs> looked at what our brain could do and then made something that could go into our brain to make it do more stuff. Hell I think that yeah. should count. Yeah, absolutely. Charlie? It's, it's the transitive property of rules. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, big disclaimer. I'm, I'm basically in the position of having brought a knife to a gunfight. I haven't heard <laughs> of any of these things you guys have talked about. However, it's funny you bring up Scott Pilgrim because there was an alternate ending to it. You probably know. Yeah, I do. Of course yeah. I know. Uh, where after Gideon gets beaten by Scott and you can kind of hear his disembodied voice speaking out of his glasses, the glasses were supposed to transform into a giant mechanized Gideon that he was going to fight against afterwards. And just continuing on with the movie for another 30, 45 minutes of Scott versus a 50 foot tall, you know, mech suited man. I think that would have been pretty awesome. They cut it for budget. And also because no one wanted that much more of that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it could be good, but I think like at that point it really, it would undercut the emotional weight of fighting Gideon the first time. Yeah. Um, but if you get Scott Pilgrim, the game, you do fight the 50 foot Mecha Gideon. Okay. Also That's fun. Very. I don't know if it's underrated, maybe appropriately rated. It just was unavailable, but that game was real good. Well, I That's, think it's out on steam. It's now, out. Yeah. It? They re-released it last year yeah. or earlier this year, but um, it was available as digital download only when the movie came out and then it got taken out of the store um, so if you didn't have a console, cause only Xbox 360 and PS3 at the time, if you didn't have one that already had it downloaded, when it got taken out of the store, you were just fucked. You just couldn't play it anymore. And I had one of those consoles. I had an Xbox 360. <laughs> it's got Pilgrim, the game on it. And now I have it on my switch. Hell yeah. But real good couch co-op beat them up. That follows the, the game version or the film version of that first arc. And then, also incorporates a bunch of stuff from the comics. Yeah. And fantastic soundtrack by Anna Monaguchi. Okay. I've never looked, a few friends of mine are huge fans of Anna Monaguchi. I don't care for most of their work, but their Scott Pilgrim <laughs> game <laughs> soundtrack is really good. All right. Did you, did you have one? Uh, there's we? a, there's another movie that's been on my to watch list. I've uh-huh. never gotten around to it called Shin Godzilla or Sheen Godzilla. Oh, you haven't uh, seen that I yet either. Yeah correct pronunciation is it looks real weird and that's probably why i'm like that's probably why yeah. you know i, I want to see it but uh the premise of that if i remember correctly is it takes place in true modern day japan and godzilla attacks so rather than busting out some insane technology that godzilla versus kong pulls out of its ass it's just a bunch of bureaucrats in meetings like guys how are we supposed to fight Godzilla? Yeah, they're just woefully unprepared from what I, from the little bit of it that I've seen. They're like, uh, we don't have anything for this. And Godzilla's real weird and is like evolving throughout the series, throughout the, uh, throughout the film and looks real gross in some of those stages. And then when he's full Godzilla, he's fucking bonkers. I've, I've seen the last like full Godzilla sequence of that movie. And gotcha. it's insane. That's wild. Okay. This week's no concessions pick. That I haven't <laughs> seen yet. <laughs> All right. Char- Charles. Um, this one's kind of a cheat, but I think Gargoyles. I've been watching Gargoyles. I think that would be they're like they're a team and it's weird and there aren't any giant monsters on it, but I think the idea of like this secret team operating in New York that has to kind of 
be stealthy, but like also aren't like there's so many times where like other people should be seeing them because it's fucking New York City. Um, it's like the kind of like it's the Ninja Turtles problem where it's like, well, New York is the busiest city in the world and people are out 24 seven. Yeah. Um, but well, they they did solve that problem in Transformers 2. If you if you remember that cause because the end, they turned into cars. Well, at the end of number one, the Transformers are having this giant fight in the middle of a city. Yeah, and then nine eleven Chicago. And, yeah, and then in number two, somehow it's all been swept under the rug with the general statement of the government covered it up. Look, I have these secret videos that were taken showing robots. Here's evidence of giant robots, and then they nine eleven a different city. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, they 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 fuck up the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, in the second one, back when the writer's strike was happening, so the obscenely yep. racist robots were there. Oh man, that's yeah. We definitely need to watch all those movies. <laughs> uh, but gargoyles, I'm just into the. I think we're just into the either end of the second season or beginning of the third season. And while the first, while the like opening of the series like effectively the pilot is straight up a tv movie it's an hour and a half or it's like it's probably more i think it's four episodes that it takes to like it does all the setups to the series and like how they get into modern day and setting it up and it's real long and i think if you were to adapt it that should be 20 minutes at the beginning and then anything else you need you do it in flashbacks later but i think gargoyles could work really well as like in that style while like being something that can be performed really well but also not take itself too seriously and in a way that's really engaging and not hard to do with a good like hybridization of practical effects and cg and also all of the cast is still alive so just Use the voices, baby. Just do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what's been popular lately. Just reviving super old stuff with the original cast. And 90% of the time, the like meta read of it is that it's just kind of sad. These like usually wa- washed up actors you haven't seen in a while <laughs> acting exactly the same, but they're 30 years older. So you're kind of just feeling sorry for them. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Uh, my next pick, my next picks, because these three are effectively the same thing. Uh, big bad Beetleborgs. Yeah, baby. VR troopers and uh, SSSS superhuman samurai cyber squad, which is <laughs> SSSS Gridman is based off of that property. And like all three of those are basically ripoffs of Power Rangers, yeah. right? Like it's this group of kids, teenagers with attitudes. <laughs> And they just need to fight enemies and stuff. But I think specifically with Gridman and VR Troopers, both of them would work out super well these days. Because I mean, like, Doug, in Gridman, uh, you hop into a computer and you're doing your fighting from like in the grid world yeah. half the time. Or you could be out in the real world if you really want to. And like, it's, it's basically, it would work out the same as something like a Pacific Rim. Yeah. Where, oh shit, you just drop this big thing into the middle of the city. It's moving a little bit slower than it should. But whatever, that sort of thing. Uh, VR Troopers, because like, dog, just like co- the corniness of that show. It's so over the top but 
in a really like it is really I remember it being very fun and I watched a 45 minute YouTube deep dive a couple weeks ago and I was like oh yeah that's exactly how I remember this show hell yeah yeah the, uh, I think VR troopers and not so much big bad Beetleborgs that show uh, relied on like mysticism to a point where I was yeah. just like not really fucking with it but it's they're like they're all basically the same show same with like Power Rangers well, I wouldn't even classify Power Rangers along with those because everything else was basically a derivative of Power Rangers yeah. at some point. And um, I was like, what are, what are you taking from this formula and applying it in a different way? Yeah, exactly. So those, those three, I would love to see live action, mostly because like I'm all about, and if you've listened to the show for a long period of time, you know I'm, I'm all about like just giving airtime to like things that, don't get the airtime. Yeah. Like if you're going to remake something, remake something that was shitty, right? Like if I want to see a, a live action version of fucking VR troopers, do that shit. Yeah. Because you can make that shit super sick. You can make it your own because the old one sucks. Yeah. Right. Like the old one is not well received. So you fucking just take your, the new shit and yeah. do your thing. And do whatever you want with it. The bar is already super low. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly what should be done with these things. Uh, I'm going to give a special shout out to the rocks rampage movie. <laughs> Here's why I have rock on the mind. I just I finished saw that sick jungle cruise trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished rewatching the fast and furious movies from start to finish. And then you threw in walking tall just, <laughs> just for good measure. And that other Sean William Scott one with him walking tall and that one with sean william scott are basically the same movie well yeah the only thing i remember from that movie is the bit from the trailer where the rock pulls over someone and says there's something wrong with your headlights and the driver says what and then he smashes them with the two by four and says they're broken but yeah. anyway <laughs> it, probably from rampage but what was definitely also happening in the fast and furious movies is the man basically sweats testosterone and i think if you pair the objective garbage content of rampage with what is probably the exact same rock character from fast and furious it's just the level of like intellectual absence that I need. <laughs> uh, he's reached um, he's reached peak movie star where he doesn't have to act anymore. He can just be him. Yeah, and it works. The Rock is it's, he's interesting in that he can just make projects at this point. He's yeah. a money printing factory. Yeah, he's marketable. Everybody has a Rock project. Like yeah, Disney's about to do their fucking third one with them. Like. Oh, do they do the Jumanji ones? Uh, no, Jumanji was a different studio. Okay. But like those, even like that first one was real fun. I didn't see this. I haven't seen the second one yet. But how quickly that second one came out after the first one. I was like, oh, yeah, they're trying to hold on to the rock as long as they can. Yeah. And then um, with uh, Moana. Right. And he's not, honestly, not in that movie a whole lot. But the presence of the rock is enough for some people just because he's been so present since the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, in pop culture. And then, uh, yeah, they're about to do jungle cruise, which looks like Jumanji meet like Jumanji's already like supernatural, but it's like, well, adding weird supernatural elements worked for pirates of the Caribbean. We got six movies out of that shit. <laughs> Let's see what we can do with it. Didn't work. Didn't work with, um, haunted mansion, but 
Let's give it another shot with the Jungle Cruise, a ride I've never been on. <laughs> I've been on it a few times when I was a kid. I haven't been to an amusement park in fucking 14 years. It's, uh, I don't like them. All right, well, that's, that's the opening segment. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get into this review of uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. to a Padres game for the first time very recently and this ties into our fucking amusement park chat uh, I drank two micheladas and the micheladas use cut waters bloody mary mix okay. and a tall can of modello can you guess how much two of those cost me $26 $28 40 are you fucking <laughs> kidding 40 fucking dollars uh, I bought one for me one for the homie uh, because he did get me into the game and I was just like there's no fucking way ever again because like there's no there's no benefit for me going to any game like the seats are uncomfortable everybody yeah. knows that that's widely known everywhere the seats yeah. fucking suck they're too close together and the food is fucking expensive the drinks are fucking expensive that's more I haven't drank at a sporting event in a long time that's obscene yeah, $40, are you fucking kidding me? And like, what the fuck am I gonna look like going to a fucking amusement park, paying $40 for two Dole Whips or whatever, however much they cost, and like maybe a soda pop, because I don't know if they'll serve you liquor. Um, not at Disneyland. Not in Disneyland, unless you go to Club 23 or whatever, but. Oh, then, then they're gonna cost way more than 20 yeah. bucks each too. But then, but also you have to have the level of prestige to get into that club it is invite only you can only be invited by an existing member yep exactly um at california don't correct me if i'm wrong only five of you listen to the show anymore <laughs> <laughs> um, california adventure does sell booze but it is probably comparable to sporting events i didn't i snuck booze in um and there are bars outside in downtown disney so like out in between the two parks there's like a like a shopping center where everything's mad expensive but the grand california hotel outside of california adventure has a normal bar and normal drink prices so that's Hell how yeah. you drink it a theme park if the theme park is disneyland yeah And we're back. I hope you like that new interlude. Um, just trying out new things. Who knows how it's going to go. Uh, this week's subgenre is, would have been better if they stopped at the last one. Uh, this week we're reviewing, it turns out, 2021's Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard, screenplay by Eric Pearson and Max Bornstein, story by Tony Rossio, Michael Doherty and Zach Shields, based on Godzilla and Mechagodzilla and King Kong, produced by Thomas Tull, John Jasney, Brian Rogers, Mary Parent, Alex Garcia, and Eric McLeod, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Shun Oguri, Isa Gonzalez, Julian Dennison, Lance Reddick, Kyle Chandler, and Damian Bashir. 
cinematography by uh, Ben Saracen, Saracen, edited by John Schaefer, music by Tom Holkenberg, uh, released on March 24th, 2021. Seriously? And March 31st in the U.S., running time of 113 minutes, budget of 155 to 200 million, and a box office of 463 million. Okay, it it is less believable to me that this movie only came out four months ago (laughs) than the things that actually happen in this movie. (laughs) Hollow Earth is more believable than the fact that this came out on the number of months I can count on one hand. We are unmoored from time. (laughs) Yeah, time is a flat circle. It doesn't mean anything. It's fucking... What a nightmare. Awesome. I'm legitimately surprised that Alexander Skarsgård has top billing in this movie. Yeah. He, I'm surprised Lance Reddick has any billing in this movie. He has one line. Holy shit. The, I mean, they're, the characters aren't even really, they're not, the people aren't important in this movie. It's like they have them in there just for the sake of being in there. It's largely expository so that we like know why the monsters are doing stuff because the monsters don't talk. Yeah. And my ideal version of this movie is just like file footage of shit. Like let's call it like a found footage movie where it's just like cameras shooting shit. Like, okay, so you've got this, the, these cameras sitting in security in these buildings and it's just like a playback of everything that's happened over this like two day span where you've got like, okay, here's the apex industries or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, here's Brian Tyree, like plugging in his USB here. Here's uh, Brian Tyree on his podcast, his conspiracy podcast, talking about the different footage that he's got and all these sorts of things. Here's news camera footage from a helicopter of Godzilla stomping through the city or whatever. Here's somebody with their cell phone standing in a building, like watching them fight from across the way or whatever. The movie is set uh, in like 2023, 24. Like it's objectively set in the future based on how um king of the monsters ends and even now we would have even if it, like found footage style is different in the modern era because everyone has <laughs> hd quality <laughs> cameras on their person all the time and also we live in a surveillance state so we would <laughs> definitely have a bunch of different good looking angles like it wouldn't take a lot to justify how good the footage looks in a way that like maybe Cloverfield couldn't do because it was the early 2000s and oh yeah everyone in that movie is always commenting on like why are you holding that camera what are you doing yeah yeah whereas now you don't even have to justify that it is a non-issue yeah you could just be filming like you could remake Cloverfield now and it would be a 10 times better movie because a the screen shake wouldn't be there yeah you're not justifying constantly why it's being recorded yeah exactly it would just be some fucking you wouldn't even have to go to the stretch of saying like oh this is a content creator like it just could be anybody anybody anybody. and you can even use with you know back to godzilla versus kong you could even use the different sources of the footage as your narrative framing like we see the stuff at apex at the beginning through security footage but like you know that you just like show that a bunch of it's redacted like you there's like you can even do it subtly with like time like the time skips and then we find out when we find out about Mechagodzilla, that's when we see the like the redacted footage was them putting Ghidorah's brain into this technology. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sold on that. That would have been a much more 
interesting movie. But yeah. instead we get what we got <laughs> <laughs> where it's legit just like humans running around telling us what's going on because there's no way for us to be able to tell. I think that um, this movie is bad. Uh, and that's the review. Toodaloo. <laughs> <laughs> it delivers on its core premise. It just makes you see a bunch of other stuff to get there. Yeah. And the difficulty with this movie, I think, at least for me, is that it's more cartoonish than King of the Monsters was. Yeah. King of the Monsters was like, although it's about giant fucking monsters, it was grounded in some sort of reality to me. Yeah. It, lo- it seemed more realistic. Whereas this one is just like, Okay, this Godzilla or King Kong may as well just be a dude in a fucking uh, ape outfit. Yeah, and it's less apish, less gorilla-like than even in than Skull in Island. Island. Yeah, you know what? I just thought about it. What makes Godzilla versus Kong not work as well as King of the Monsters is perspective, because the the story is focused around the two monsters. You don't get the same perspective of scale. Uh, one of the best scenes in King of the Monsters is when Ghidorah gets out of that facility that he's frozen in. Um, that entire sequence is either shot from super far away, so you can see both Godzilla and Ghidorah in the same shot, or it's shot from the perspective of the people on the ground. So you have a very real idea of how large these creatures are. And as a viewer, you understand that, like, if you're going to see something from the human perspective, it needs to be the incredible level of like fear and disbelief that you would have from seeing something on that scale. What's isn't the, that, uh, isn't that the same thing they did in Godzilla where they rarely even showed Godzilla, like in a full zoomed out view is mostly just from people's yeah, point of view. And, 20, and, and the primary complaint of that movie is, Oh, Godzilla isn't in the movie enough. Yeah. Well, you guys, you got what you wanted. And I think, with like the 2014 Godzilla, you do mostly see everything is from the human perspective and you mostly see the, um, the Mutos. And then when you see Godzilla, it's either like from the perspective of someone who's in that same environment, but maybe a distance away or very, very close. And then the rest of it is like a news footage. So they even do the found, like the way you could narratively use found footage or like, um, news footage to show the scale of what's happening and Godzilla vs. Uh, King of the Monsters does that super well by always there's maybe too much human stuff there's definitely too much human stuff <laughs> in King of the Monsters <laughs> as well but at least the monsters like the what's happening feels grounded like it has actual stakes Yeah, um, because so much of Godzilla vs. Kong is on the same scale as the two of them it's and then there's like people in the background it's like well who cares yeah <laughs> we're we're the we as the viewer are the same size as we're seeing it through the monsters as protagonists and what's the name of the pterodactyl thing rodan rodan so when rodan's flying over that village while it's on fire yeah and like you see people flying away because of the gusts of wind yeah that are coming from it like that's a really powerful way to show the size of the creature and how much force it generates right. and like how gigantic these things are. Yeah. And like that's a, that scene is really the only sequence where you get a full idea of how big Rodan is. Cause like he's, cause Ghidorah is larger and Mothra is about the same size, but we see Mothra 
in the beginning of the movie uh, before like before she metamorphoses metamorphoses whatever the metamorphosizes yeah whatever that no that sounds wrong too whatever the current <laughs> the current tense verb of metamorphosize is um so we have a sense of scale of what she started from so we have to imagine it's going to be bigger we see Ghidorah um in contrast to Godzilla and we know that Ghidorah is huge because we know how big Godzilla is Rodan after like that sequence where he gets out and is fucking up the village we only see Rodan in the context of Ghidorah so he always looks kind of small but because we have that sequence of Rodan flying over the village and seeing just how big he is and then in, also in comparison to like their giant uh airship yeah we're like okay these monsters are huge even in the context of things that we know are really big and so it's, it doesn't hit as hard it's not as weird um when you see rodan later and you're like is chicago bigger than i thought it was or <laughs> did rodan get smaller and it's um, just that Ghidorah is just real big. That's, yeah, that's all it is. Absolutely. But you and always then, have a sense of how big. Exactly. Ghidorah is. Like in every, it's a, like a, it serves as a constant reminder. Even even when the monsters are going against each other, yeah. Like their movement and all of that serves as a way to know the perspective. Yeah. Whereas in Godzilla versus Kong, it just seems like honestly, it could just be dudes in suits. It yeah. might as well be right. And I think some of that also comes from it being like full CG environments. Like mm-hmm. when they're in the hollow earth, yeah. Kong versus those flying Cobra things is it's a monster fight. But like, I don't know what's happening. And because of like how the colors are, it's so bright. I'm like, this is like a really good looking. This is like a PS five level, <laughs> but it's still a video game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah right it's all just a cartoon you have all the kind of like emotional weight uh stripped away from it and comparing like well since i i got some sort of striking scene showing the sheer scale of these creatures now i might as well just be watching like a couple couple big monsters fight each other but you know it hits you no differently than any other cartoon does right and the people at least in king of the monsters served as a break between all the shit going on with the monsters. Yeah. Whereas in uh, Godzilla versus Kong, it, they were just fucking annoying. Yeah. Like we'd go back to the humans and it would just be like, they have their own plot, but like I, I, I didn't care in King of the Monsters and I super don't <laughs> care in Godzilla versus Kong because they're not doing anything really interesting or relevant, right? It's just them having their own separate adventure that yeah. runs parallel with what Godzilla and Kong are doing. Yeah. Like, okay, so I think where the stories converge is when they get to the Hollow Earth. Really? Like, right before... Now, the stories then, don't really converge. I mean, yeah, I guess so. When they get to the, the Kong throne room. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, no, this guy tried to run off. He stole the energy, and he's going to run away. Oh, no, the, the rich people were trying to fucking scam us this whole time. Oh, my God, no. And then they're also enacting their plan. Coincidentally, I mean, I guess it's the hollow. It's the center of the earth, so it's always directly underneath wherever you're talking. About. <laughs> but just this time, it just happens to be right over Hong Kong because that's where they are. Yes. Um, that all that being said, uh, I like this movie a lot. Uh, <laughs> Do you really? Uh, that's not a surprise. At least it shouldn't be a surprise. To it's me. real dumb. Um, well, the, I'm, I'm actually kind of on your side too because I would is, say I liked it a lot, but I 
do really I did really enjoy it. I think I would have if I had seen this in theaters, I'd sound like a crazy person because I'd be in love with it. I think, <laughs> um, I think seeing it in my living room um, helped uh, temper my excitement for this movie. Yeah, because uh, without that. Mecha Godzilla looks stupid. Too. Yeah, stupid as fuck. I hated Mecha Godzilla's design. Like just why wouldn't you just make it look like Godzilla but metal, right? Instead of just like a skeleton with a weird lizard head, <laughs> or like do Mecha Ghidorah? Like what? I know we just saw Ghidorah. Yeah. Yep. You could just a Ghidorah with like a metal faceplate on one of the heads. Yeah. Or like like the tr- classic one where it's one of the heads is still organic and then the other two are robots, and you can even I don't. You could even do um, just a single, maybe like one shot of, you know, like how they, the three heads kind of have like a dynamic. It's very like subtle um, in King of the Monsters. The surviving head is like the organic head that's left was like the dumb one in King of the Monsters. And so you have like this like robot one but the dumb head is the one that is organic and it's just like doesn't understand <laughs> why the other two heads aren't the same. And I think that even at the end of the last movie, King of the Monsters, we keep I keep comparing it to King of the Monsters because it was the last good one. And when when Godzilla is the king of the monsters at the end of that movie, why didn't he just call on them to like come fuck up that it fucking is, It is weird that there are no we don't see any of the other like what are they doing They're just hanging out in the hollow earth we don't even get any cameos of the other ones it's, yeah it's very weird there's we don't see any other titans yeah in godzilla versus kong none of the ones that they set up in the first three films um like we see that there is a skull crawler still around at the end of king of the monsters mm-hmm. and this movie is based around king kong and we don't see like that. We don't see any. Yeah, it's very weird. They have all these uh, Titans in those two sequences in King of the Monsters and referenced in fucking Skull Island. And then they just don't show up. Yeah, I think that um, another thing that uh, really does this movie a disservice is just how um how anthropomorphized kong is yeah he's like supposed to be like a reflection of a dude but it's like fucking annoying because like no i'm here for a fucking ape yeah i don't think they get the balance right of kong is it's a dick uh (laughs) kong (laughs) is intelligent but we have real examples of ape intelligence in the real world. Just basically just kind of find a balance in there instead of just Kong is a person who can't speak English. Yeah, exactly. Is what he feels like through a lot of that movie. Yeah. And well, he can speak American sign language, yep. which is fucking weird. And like he understands English, I think is part of the movie. Like he they're talking to, he, they're talking in front of him, and he's like getting agitated. And then he signs in response to them speaking English. Yeah, it's like Doug. So if you just wanted to have like a mute hero, you could have just made a movie about that. Yeah, that would have been fine. Yeah, if the crux, if your villain is, we have the ability to make giant robots. 
um, make your protagonist someone in a giant robot, and this is just an evil giant robot. Yeah, make it at least design it better too. Yeah, I, the Mecha Godzilla design is very bad. It just looked like. You know how somebody like learns how to do art for the first time and they only have like one frame of reference for a type of body yeah. and they just drew Mecha Godzilla instead of Godzilla and they were just like, you know, that looks like really close to a man's body with just a tail. Are you sure you want to go with that? Yeah, no, like that, that's fine. That's fine. This <laughs> is what I want to do. a wireframe with a dinosaur head and a tail. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, what are we rating this movie? <sighs> I'd give it like a three. Yeah. Cause I mean, I was expecting it to be absolute garbage and it wasn't total garbage making it like a net positive for me. I mean, objectively it, it's not good. I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, I also went, I went into it expecting it to be a, to build on King of the monsters and it didn't, but I'm giving it two stars just for the uh, fight in Hong Kong. I think that fight is real fun looks real good um all the neon lights and like I, the one time the scale really hits is when they're moving around the city and like kong is using the buildings to his advantage um to move around yeah and godzilla is just not giving a fuck because he's <laughs> big he's like oh i'm just a, i'm a big dinosaur like i don't <laughs> none of this can stop me that part, the thing that fucking super annoyed me about that fight is when Godzilla's shooting his laser breath, but it's like attached to the fucking axe that he's swinging. Like you see it moving with the axe. Yeah. Instead, it's like instead of him just changing the angle of his head. Exactly. Because Kong's not compensating. It's no. just they they did the effect and they were like, oh, well, what's what do we do? I was like, I'll just have Kong keep moving. He just oh he's got he's got it up above his head oh oh all he has to do all Godzilla had to do was just aim it towards his chest but for some reason he just can't take his mouth off of the laser. Also, Godzilla has a tail, the- and like I feel like that's all. <laughs> like at that point, um, close combat is off the table. I don't care how nimble Kong is. Godzilla's real big. He's definitely stronger physically, and he has a tail. So between. The flame breath and this obscenely long tail. Kong just doesn't get close. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that at least in this movie, it's fucking definitive. Like, yeah. no, King Kong can't. It would have. King Kong could never. It would. If Kong had won, it would be a bad movie. Yeah, it would be a worse movie for certain. The The only possible outcome of that is Godzilla wins. And then, for some reason, doesn't kill Kong. Yeah, he just. I he mean, just, I don't. He think, respects him so much. I don't think he killed Kong because, uh, like, I don't think that was the goal. Like, right? He's just he's proving we, how alpha. Yeah, he's got to yeah. be. That's the why he's shouting in his face. We fucking missed the alpha conversation. We'll cover that in the next interlude. Anyway, uh, we're going into the no concessions part of the podcast. Have you, are you familiar with the Sigma male? I've seen, I've seen the phrase, but I don't know what it means. 
Okay, so do you know what the alpha male is yeah. in terms of like uh, pickup artistry yeah. and that sort of stuff? All right, so if you're not familiar at home, go go look it up. That's probably really bad advice, but like <laughs> uh, not to be like do your own research as in like find things that confirm what you believe in the way that other people say. Insofar as I'm concerned, alpha is just like the chief bitch getter who leads all the other men around him. They follow suit when he does something. So if he like starts wearing a fucking mohawk, and he's got a bunch of piercings in his face, uh, other dudes will follow along. And so a Sigma male is, there's this whole <laughs> pipeline where you go from like wanting to go out on dates, then you try pickup artistry because you've been told that works. Then you go into red pill because that's like the next step after you find out that pickup artistry doesn't work. And then you become an incel, uh, like there are two branching paths from red, red pill. Yeah. Uh, it's MGTOW where you choose like it's basically vol cell shit. You don't want anything to do with women or how society expects you to behave. You can go your own way or you can just be an angry incel online that complains a whole bunch. And men going their own way is like them expressing agency over what they do. And the Sigma male is effectively an alpha male who says I'm done with societal standards. So it's effectively a MGTOW but not a loser like that's the way that it's framed on the internet because like being a sigma male is basically uh the way that it's framed in a lot of the media that i've seen is keanu reeves in john wick where he's a, he lives by himself his wife is dead uh he's got a dog and he only cares about what he cares about but he doesn't involve anybody else around him whereas like the alpha male shit uh would be like sylvester stallone and expendables yeah. where he's got a bunch of followers or uh, like men who like go along with what he does and shit. So it's people uh, justifying how being a loner loser is actually a something you thing. should strive for. Yes, well, it absolutely so this is. This is a mind virus. <laughs> yeah. Also, I hate that I know that like entire pipeline you just went over. It's being alone is pathetic versus being alone is fine. Do what you want, want to do, which is just how you should be as a person. Yeah. Um, the internet is a curse. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And that's the interlude. And we're back with our titular segment, No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. Kind of keeping in with, on two levels, with my review of Godzilla vs. Kong is uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong that I think is a bad movie, but also a good movie. <laughs> uh, reasons it's a bad movie. It's three fucking hours long. <laughs> Peter Jackson's King Kong is too long. Um, it's an hour a full hour before they even get to the island. Um, I, Jesus. It is a straight up expansion of the original King Kong, but with the budget that Peter Jackson was able to pull in. Wasn't it supposed to be uh, like the stage play King Kong? There was like, I could have sworn it was based on something else. Maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe. But that's man. If Godzilla versus Kong has too much people stuff. Peter Jackson's King Kong is a movie about people that sometimes has monsters. In it. <laughs> um, it's way too goddamn long. There's a lot of it's front loaded with so much exposition of like setting the 
So it's set in the time that the original movie was written. So the 30s. Um, And it's it is a lot of setup as if we as the viewing public don't have context for 60 years ago, especially considering they're not going to spend a whole lot of time in New York and all the skull Island stuff is good and necessary and works. And then the last third, they're back in New York and the King Kong stuff happens where he breaks out of containment, grabs a blonde lady, (laughs) climbs a building, but there's a bunch of other stuff in between there that doesn't need to be there. Like, um, us immediately seeing the survivor's guilt of the people who went on the expedition and the Jack Black having to be like, you know what? Didn't go super well, but we did what we went out to do. And now I'm like, now people respect me as a filmmaker again, and I'm going to present this big thing. And it just, there's too much talking. There's way too much talking and there's too much setup for this era in time and what the industry looks like as if that's what anybody's watching King Kong for. Um, if you want to talk about the context of King Kong, um, do a documentary about the original movie. Yeah. But this is Peter Jackson right off of Lord of the Rings. The skull Island stuff fucks. It's all <laughs> really good. Um, I had the back when uh, video game magazines were a thing and they came with demo discs. I had a demo disc that had the video game adaptation of King Kong and it was just it switched back and forth between um, your whatever the human dude's name like Jack whatever the dude's name is and you there's like gun sequences and then there's Kong sequences and so it had a human level which I don't think anybody played and then the Kong level and the Kong level was like a short period and then it's the sequence where he fights the two T-Rexes and it's fucking good, but it's the playing it as a, in the game is not as good as fucking watching it on screen. That seems very good. Sometimes I just put it up on, I'll pull it up on YouTube and just watch that scene. Okay. It's the best part of that movie, um, but the movie's bad. I don't like it. Don't watch it. <laughs> just pull up. If you can somehow, if you can just watch the skull Island parts of two, of Peter Jackson's King Kong from 2005, uh, just do that. The rest of it's not worth watching. Okay. All right. Uh, my no concessions pick, the negative one, is Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham. It uh, came out earlier this year, I want to say. Not certain. Time is meaningless <laughs> at this point, and it's difficult for me to discern what day is today or what day was yesterday and what is tomorrow, because I don't know. Uh, Wrath of Man is this movie about a guy who is a mob boss or something like that, and he goes on. Uh, his son is killed during like a, a heist that goes... I, I guess right for the people who stole the shit, but wrong for Jason Statham's son who gets shot in the chest and uh, Jason Statham does this like huge roundabout revenge thing where he joins the armored car company because he knows it's an inside job and then he befriends these people gets the information on how these jobs are done or whatever. And then there's also this component of like the FBI knowing who Jason Statham is. And they even have this conversation like, you're just going to let the fox into the hen house. And the FBI agent's like, 
He's going to do our job for us, guys. It's better. It's the, the devil, you know, it starts out like with the, the typical like macho shit, except like there's like always like the homophobia that's tossed in with like these male yeah. relationships. And it's like these guys, the, Jason Statham starts work and he opens up his locker and there's just like men's lingerie or whatever, like some gay magazine cover or some shit in there. And it's just like hold on what year is this <laughs> like i know i lost track of time but like i didn't know i was in the fucking early 2000s dog what the fuck and like for the first like i want to say 30 mo- minutes of the movie it's them like building these guys relationships but like 90 percent of it is like founded on homophobia so it's just like these guys saying like awful shit to each <laughs> other and like oh aren't we friends we're good friends now and then like the action in the movie is not even really that good and the plot the plot is stupid like it's there's like a twist for the sake of being a twist and it's like we don't need any of that like this is this is basically it reminds me because I've been reading a lot of like old detective novels from like the 50s, 60s and 70s. And it reminds me of that in that there is like this very simplistic plot. It goes from point A to point B. Mm. There's no there's nothing in between that. Yeah. It just goes A to B. And like what uh, Guy Pierce or whoever the fuck wrote this movie has managed to do. Richie. do Guy Ritchie uh, managed to do. Uh, is they just instead of going in a straight line from A to B, they were just like we got to throw some interesting shit in here. So they took like ten D twelves or D D one hundreds and just threw them at shit, and then just picked different words in the dictionary for that number and built plot points out of those numbers. It's really fucking stupid. Or maybe like a book of tropes is better. They just took the number from the die and said, what trope can we apply in this situation? Oh, inside job. Oh, these guys hate each other. Uh, oh. Homophobia came up again homophobia oh it turns out the boss is actually the inside man oh who saw that coming oh like it's it's oh we threw there was a red herring oh it's all that it fucking sucks the movie's stupid don't watch it and it's like a very lazy effort from guy Ritchie. yeah it seems like it probably just came together really quickly what probably happened is the movie was like oh we're ready to make this and then whoever they had to direct it dropped out and they're like, hey, Guy Ritchie, are you doing anything? And he was like, no, nah, I just made Aladdin. <laughs> I got time. It's so my, my guess, and I don't know how the industry works, is this has to be like one of those like tax loss movies, right? Yeah. Where it's like, we know this is going to be a stinker. We're just going to, we got to just put it out so we can write it off. Uh, anyway, what's your pick? Uh, so rounding out the negative picks, I've got 2004's Sky Captain and, and the, the World, World of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That movie, oh my god, that movie stylistically, I was just like, oh, this movie is going to be so fucking cool. It's ambitious. And like they have like cool lasers and cool giant robots and like cool planes and shit. Yeah, it did look like very evocative of kind of like an Orson Welles um, War of the Worlds type of vibe. Uh, and then, you know, you, you watch the trailer again, as I just did while the two of you were talking about your picks. Cause you know, I haven't seen it since 2004. I just remember it being aggressively bad, even to 13 year old me. And it honestly looks like a asylum movie. <laughs> the CG has not aged well <laughs> as is expected with any movie that's filmed on a green screen with just people acting in front of it. Yeah in the middle of a green void with nothing to like emote against. So like, like you said, the look of it at face value is pretty cool. There's a bunch of iron giants storming through a city. There's some 
intimidating looking vulture planes that are shooting stuff down kind of like the Germans were and during World War II with the Blitzkrieg and then Jude Law's flying around in his World War One era biplane, not a biplane, but you know what I mean, propeller plane. Yeah. And uh, there are nothing people with lasers, there are robots. What's the one I'm thinking of that has a similar feel? I don't know if it's sci-fi at all, but like it's a Tom Cruise movie that came out around the same time. Oh, are you talking about like Valkyrie? Yeah, maybe. the the Nazi one where they're like doing counterinsurgency yeah, that, for Nazis. That one's not stylized looking. That, no, something. I don't. Know, maybe the post. I maybe the posters are the same because when you said Sky Captain, I was like, oh, I know that movie, <laughs> and I was imagining Tom Cruise, and I saw Jude Law. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> also, because I looked it up, that movie made fifty eight million dollars off a budget of seventy. Jesus, Ouch. yeah, that movie was a was a stinker. Actually, I think it's on HBO Max. We can watch part of it. <laughs> I just want to. I want to get a little taste. Where, as you're probably familiar at home, we record in my apartment, and sometimes I have the TV on, um, which is a mistake mostly. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya.